Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. Hello, Koshi here. Before we get into this episode of The Call, I've got a favor to ask. The bigger the Ausbiz audience the more we can invest in great content and keep providing quality investment ideas to you for free. If you could just take a minute of your time to leave a review of the call in the Apple Podcast app, it'll help keep our tribe growing. And of course, don't forget to catch up with all the best interviews each day at osbiz.com.au. Thanks for listening. Enjoy the call. Top of the afternoon to you, everyone. Welcome to the Wednesday edition of The Call. Great to have your company for the next hour or so as we take a look at 10 stocks that you've asked us to have a look at and put before our expert panel uh, for their adjudication. And uh, joining us today, our favourite Queenslander, Andrew Whelan from DP Wells. Andrew, good afternoon to you. Welcome. How are things going, old mate? Koshi, it's going off here in Toowoomba as always. It's, uh... <laughs> hey, has the, uh, has the Palace Cinema up and going and full capacity at the moment? Yeah, the Empire. It's, Empire, uh, that's it's, it. Yep, that's all right. You were just testing me. Did I pass? <laughs> um, no, it's, uh, yeah, we're back to 1542 seats. Uh, we had oh, the... Uh, a number of shows uh, sort of reaching 12 to 1300. Um, so it's certainly it's building and yeah, it's great to have some live performances back. The community loves it. We love it. It's great for yep. Toowoomba, great for the region, great for Australia. Yep, iconic theatre in Toowoomba, which is a, um, a passion project of Andrew's too. He loves it. Um, Michael Gable from Fairmont Equities. Um, any, uh, have you got any cultural mm. bents like um, Andrew does with Empire Theatre? <laughs> Well, I, I have two young kids now, so I just have to stay at home and do what I'm told. Right, so, right, okay. Yeah. And your cultural <laughs> bent is the Wiggles. A um, uh, little, little bit beyond that. Oh, so, are they? Uh, the oh, kids okay. have moved up to the Simpsons. So. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah, that's well, right. at least I could that's watch useful. some of it. Yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. All right. Um, how are you finding reporting season? Oh, look, it's yeah, typical sort of reporting season. I mean, you can either look like a hero or a bit of a zero, depending on yep. what you're holding <laughs> and, and what the company announces. But um, Look, I think generally we were expecting that, that companies would um, see an uplift in earnings compared to six months ago, and that's, yeah. that's coming through, but it just doesn't seem to be translating in any um, sort of kick along with our index, of course. So our, our market's been, been pretty choppy for a number yeah. of weeks now, and then we've got some volatility now happening overseas as well with the NASDAQ looking a bit iffy. So, yeah. um, you know, we might have a bit of a pullback in the market, so that could give investors out there a bit of an opportunity yeah. to pick up some stocks that have reported well. Nothing to fear a pullback, is there? No, I mean, it's healthy, of course, and beyond whatever happens in the short term, I think there's enough ingredients for the market to yeah. be high by the end of year. Andrew, what do you say to your clients who get a bit nervous when they, they see a, a pullback or a bit of choppiness at the moment? We've all been sort of lured into this sense that, oh, the share market just keeps going up. Well, it doesn't. 
Yeah, you're right, Koshi, but to me it speaks to the volatility. You know, when the things are going up, that's positive volatility. We're all happy. But, you know, when things aren't so flash, that's the negative volatility. So it's really how do you manage that risk? Do you have just a quality blue chip portfolio? Do you have a diversified portfolio that might include ETFs that can help manage that risk? Do you try and take some money off the table or have like a stop loss strategy? You know, there's a few different levers you can pull. But as an advisor, sorry, as a client rather, you've just got to try and figure out where do I fit in that? You know, have I got yep. a 10 year view and who cares? Or am I a trader and I'm trying to actually play the volatility? You could actually yeah. play it to your advantage. Absolutely. All right. Uh, let's, uh, before we get into your 10 stocks that you've asked us to have a look at, I always come up with the stock of the day, uh, something that's been in the news. Uh, thought we'd take a look at IDP Education reporting a 29% fall in revenue. Uh, Profit sliding 49%, uncertainty around travel and border restrictions leading to lower volumes for international student placements. Now, IDP Education is basically, its share register is dominated by big universities. And for an international student to come and study here, they've got to pass some tests. And guess who looks after those tests to get into uni? Yep, universities own benchmarking and, and quizzing company, which is IDP Education. Um, so student placements are down 37% um, and share price um, is up today 3% despite a, uh, um, a poor result. Uh, that would have been, obviously, Blind Freddy could see that um, the reduction in student e- um, um, education and international students coming into Australia would impact the stock. Uh, Andrew, what did you think of the result and the stock at the moment? It was a pretty ordinary result, but as you said, you didn't actually have to sort of be Einstein to figure that out. It's probably more so looking at how things are going. Noting that, well, I didn't see any outlook statement in there, but if you have a look at those testing numbers that you were just referring to, those testing numbers are now actually back to where where they were pre-pandemic. And a number of the international markets in which they're operating now that the vaccine is being rolled out, uh, we're starting to see uh, some positive news there. Of course, in Australia and New Zealand, our borders remain closed, but you'd have to think we're probably closer to getting those open by year end. So I think, Koshi, the market's sort of looking at the result going, well, it is what it is. You, you know, we knew it was going to be ordinary, but all those leading metrics around the testing, et cetera, are actually pointing us towards, you know, things are coming back to, dare I say, normal. Uh, from a momentum point of view, it looks great. Um, so certainly from that point of view, and as a just as a well-run company, it's got a strong return on equity, etc. So I quite like it. I, I, I would be sort of buying the bounce, but understanding that there are risks. You know, we've seen today that news about um, vaccinations, there could be something come out of there, could have another strain of COVID. There's still some uncertainty, but bottom line, uh, market buying it for things looking better and I'm happy to buy it at these levels on the basis that things continue along. Yeah, five year high, it's uh, bounced back pretty well and of course it has a monopoly on <laughs> all those entrance exams, so that's useful as mm. well, Michael. Yeah, look, it's, it's obviously one of those situations which, you know, some new investors find strange, bad result, um, yep. share price goes up, but obviously as as, as both yourself and Andrew have touched on, we expected it to be pretty ordinary and it wasn't as ordinary or as bad as, as people were expecting. So it looked like it was a bit ahead of expectations. Um, even with the Australian students, student numbers being down, it looked like they were able to increase their fees um, ah, on those students. So, right. so there's a few positives in that result, of course. And, um, you know, it could only really improve from here, of course, as the vaccinations roll out and, 
um, and borders reopen. Um, in terms of a trade, yes, when you see a stock gap up on a good result, um, usually you get a bit of a flow on effect for a few months on average. So um, whatever happens in the next couple of days, it should continue to drift higher as, as people start paying attention to that result and brokers yep. upgrade their targets and so on. So um, yes, you could buy it here um, on that basis. Um, where I'd get out if, if things turn south, uh, there used to be a bit of a ceiling at around $26 for the share price. So right. now that it's jumped above that, it should stay above that line. If it goes under that line in the next few days, then that's where I'd, I'd draw a line in the sand. But yes, I'd be happy to buy it here if I was you know, interested in the company. I guess the other, the other problem though is that it is trading at its all-time high. And yeah. part of you thinks, well, obviously if they've got Less that students. Five, five year chart. Holy dooly, if you yeah. bought it at 385 five years ago. But it's interesting that, um, that it's higher than where it was pre COVID. Yes. Um, yes, there are a lot of companies that are trading higher than where they were pre COVID, but they've been able to increase their earnings right. over the last 12 months. This is this a company hasn't. that's, yeah, it hasn't. So that just worries me a little bit. Maybe the market's getting a little bit okay. ahead of itself. But I think if you're disciplined enough to say stop loss at, $26, yep. um, I'll ride the momentum for the moment, then okay. you might actually get something out of it. All right, excellent. All right, Michael, uh, let's get into our first stock that's been suggested by Jacob, and it's the Arena REIT, the Real Estate Investment Trust, um, hmm. number one. They've got a couple, don't they? In yeah, Arena, look, they've, they've um, yeah, this particular one, it's it's done really well over time. Their, their, their mix of, of properties is basically early learning. So a big chunk of early learning centres um, and then some healthcare providers as well. So the leases are very long, um, you know, good tenants. The, this this REIT's able to pay a decent distribution. Uh, I think it's around the 4.5% mark without any franking. Yep. So look, I think if you're looking for a, a real estate investment trust, this one is one of the, the more reliable ones out there. Mm. And it should just continue to edge higher, whether it outperforms the market in the next year or two remains to be seen. We know there's sensitivities with bond rates. Yep. Um, I mean, that's a big topic in itself, but yep. I think all else being equal, this looks fine to me. I'd be happy to continue holding. Okay. Um, would you buy it or just hold Oh, it look, I'd, I'd rather look for other opportunities, no. but if you're after a REIT, then you, yep. yeah, you could say I'd be happy to buy it. Okay. Uh, Andrew? Yeah, for clients who are looking for income, Koshy, I think it's a buy. I was just having a quick look as Michael was talking. They're only paying out about 78% of their profit uh, as a dividend. So in other words, some of these REITs, one of the challenges is that they pay out 90 or 100%. Uh, they're actually keeping a little bit back. And uh, as Michael's saying, you know, it's a pretty defensive space in which they're playing 86% healthcare, uh, sorry, 86% childcare and about 14% uh, in that healthcare space. Gearing's pretty low, it's only about 20% and the interest rate they're paying is pretty low as well. It's about 3% per annum. As you know, one of my measures is are people who are running the business, are they actually buying shares themselves? Are they invested with you? And uh, certainly the CEO's been having a good old go. His uh, holdings up nearly 39% over the last 12 months and shares up about 6% in their holdings. So they've got faith in the wow. business as well. Um, so, yeah, for me, it's a buy. I, I agree with Michael. It's not going to set the world on fire if you're looking for that. That's not where we're at. But if you're looking for that 5%, pretty predictable, reliable, steady income, then this is it. But to that point where Michael's also talking about rising bond yields, that's certainly an issue for valuation. But bottom line, 5%, it's a buy. 
Yeah, and also it's a REIT that's not in the commercial space or or shopping centres mm. or any of those others that uh, that investors are um, a bit hesitant about the future in um, in childcare and medical centres. That's a bit more stable. Um, Andrew Henry wants a view on buy now, pay later. Absolutely huge. It's not one of the big ones. I had to look this one up. IOU Pay. It's a Malaysian-based buy now, pay later um, that has uh, just recently raised $50 million in a, um, in a uh, placement to sophisticated and institutional investors to accelerate the development of uh, their buy now, pay later product through Southeast Asia. This isn't my mate Henry Jennings who's asked this, is it? Uh, <laughs> no, uh, well, there, there, was some, there was some controversy um, or eyebrows raised, if you like, that they'd make a $50 million placement almost in-house to uh, sophisticated investors and institutional investors rather than existing shareholders. So, well... With respect, I think they might have dodged a bullet because if you look at what's happening with the share price at the moment, and again, this comes back to this whole broader bond valuation story that's going on in growth stocks, etc. But uh, to say that the raising was opportunistic, I think, is kind. And what I mean by that is there was a lot of interest in the stock. The company did exactly the right thing. It wanted to raise some money. Share prices high. It issued more shares. Certainly no issues with that at all. But... Uh, you know, the shares were issued at a price of 50 cents. Where are we at the moment? About 45 46, cents. Yeah, um, yeah. So, and they issued them at, when the share price was 70 cents. So, you know, great. They got the deal away. They're looking at using it to continue their expansion into sort of Southeast Asia. As you mentioned, they're exposed to sort of that Malaysian market. Uh, probably the thing that would worry, so this isn't a buy, Koshi. Um, arguably, it's a hold um, at best because you've got all those $50 million of shares hitting the market actually today. They, can't, they were allotted to shareholders. But, uh, you know, the elephant in the buy now, pay later space, Afterpay uh, last year made an acquisition in Singapore and uh, it's actually focused on the Indonesian market at the moment. But you'd have to suggest that given it's Singapore base and it's Indonesian focus, it's not too much of a stretch to think that it might start a, start looking at the Malaysian market as well. So in other words, competition's pretty strong. Uh, I, I'm, I'm, an, I'm a no on this, and certainly, you know, I'd be looking at your, your zips, your afterpays, and maybe even Sezzle. Sezzle, we don't mind either. Okay. All right, Michael? Mm. Um, yeah, clearly a hot hot area. I mean, there's, yeah. there's obviously still a lot of money flow in the buy now, pay later space, and I think people who have tried to value any of these companies are approaching it from the wrong angle because of the... You know the potential growth with you know with iou and they're expanding in southeast asia where there aren't um i guess the other competitors don't have a very strong foothold as yet so there's still a lot of potential there that we can't i guess can't fathom what that could be and that that's where you get this these huge moves in the share prices right. because it's not a mature business where you could say okay well these are the earnings and i could predict them to move only two percent every year so that's that's where you get the money flow coming in and that's where you get the share price appreciation and this could probably have a lot further to run at the moment it it doesn't there's a lot of heat coming out of the share price the buy was back on the 8th of february when it broke out of that base and and all the volume came in it'll probably settle down for a few weeks several weeks um and you know when you get that that sort of churning happening um share price settles down it may well have another run so at the moment it's it's a no because it could drop 
yeah, you can even halve from where it is now before it gets going again. But at some point, it may well be another opportunity. But again, you just don't approach it from the angle of, well, this is what it's worth and, and therefore it yep. looks expensive. You just have to follow the, the, the money flow. And I think Afterpay's proven proven that with its huge move from, was it $10 to $1.60? Yeah. Uh, 160. Yeah. So, no at the moment, no at but the you'll moment. be watching it. Yeah. Okay, all right, there you go, Henry. Uh, thank you for suggesting that. Anytime anyone mentions buy now, pay later, everyone's uh, antenna goes up to see if there's one that's been left behind and, um, you know, keep watching that. It's a bit different. Um, Michael, Ollie wants a view on the Reject Shop, of course, uh, mm. the discount variety retailer offering a range of consumer goods, uh, everything from kitchenware and hardware through to pet care, all at a low price. Yeah, look, I this one's been you know, left in the dust by the other retailers over the last several months um, in terms of share price movements. Um, look, the reason why is they're just not doing a good enough job. So um, I couldn't buy this one. When you have a look at the recent result, um, it was a little bit better than expectations, but what you've got to do is drill down and have a look at, you know, how they achieve that. And we could see that there was a lot of cost cutting. So, yep. you know, not really the way you want to approach it. Um, and then the other thing to look at with these sorts of companies is, um, same store um, growth uh, yeah. over time. So you want to make sure that the numbers aren't because of cost cutting or because they're just, you know, bought new stores. You want to see that a store between one year and the next yeah. is actually growing its earnings and that was pretty flat. So they're not really doing a good enough job, I think. So, and we could see in the share price, just not going anywhere. No. So for me, it's just, you know, yeah. not worth uh, looking at. And and Andrew, you would, you would immediately think, oh, reject shop, cheap prices, it would boom in a pandemic. But the issue is you don't buy that sort of stuff low end online, do you? <laughs> you tend to go into a variety store and buy it there. And that they haven't had any online kicker. Well, there's that, Koshi. And I mean, you're right. You look at there's plenty of other businesses that have done really well perversely in the middle of a one in a hundred year health emergency in that retail space, but they've all been strong online which the reject shop isn't. In fact, they've been closing stores. They've, I think they're net open too, but they've certainly been going around closing stores. Great profit margin, about 34%. But they talk about the fact that they actually had trouble sourcing stock from an inventory point of view, which is obviously a bit of a challenge. Um, so that's certainly something to be mindful of. Interestingly, they've also guided the market to the fact the last two second halves, so, you know, we've just had first half, the second half coming, 19 and 20 were both loss-making um, halves. So again, you know, the market's saying, well, why would you buy it now if, you know, historically things aren't looking too flash? They're trading really well below consensus. I mean, we've been doing this, you and I, um, for nine months now. This is the biggest discount I've seen between consensus and where the share price is. Consensus oh, wow. is 946 and there's seven bucks. So, you know, immediately yeah. that piqued my interest. I went, hmm, that's interesting. Yeah. But if you have a look, um, no dividend, uh, PE at 34 times for a business that's actually, you know, flat. Um, yeah, I'm just on with But Michael. why would, it, why would the consensus of brokers still be above nine bucks? Are they just not adjusted it down or wishful thinking? 
I think what they're potentially looking at, so consensus increase in earnings per share is about 120% this year and about 34% next year. So I think what the market's saying is if they can execute on that, then you see that expansion in the share price because with that high PE and that kicking uh, EPS number, the E number, so the P, the, the, the multiple numbers high, and then if they E can increase, that justifies that high share price. Right. But, you know, just being a simple year share salesman, I look at it and say, well, how are they actually going to grow earnings? You know, because that one of their mm. channels online is pretty ordinary. They've just said they can't get stock, and they've told us the last two halves have been ordinary. They've done a pretty good job in cost control. You certainly can credit management for that. But uh, this company's been a disappointment for many years and I think it will continue to be so, sadly. Yeah, good analysis from a simple share salesman. Used share salesman. Used share salesman. (laughs) Used share salesman. (laughs) I love it. Um, All right, now, John, um, Andrew wants a view on Beacon Minerals. John says uh, they recently announced a massive dividend, which puts the company at a 17.5% yield. Of course, uh, Beacon Minerals is a gold miner. They have a project near Coolgardie in WA, uh, produced almost 8,000 ounces of gold in the December quarter, up 12%. Um, What do you think of Beacon Minerals? Surprisingly, no consensus on this one, Koshi. Uh, it's a, uh, a smaller company, about 118 million. I hadn't done a lot of work on it. And looking at it, it's, and you know, we're quite right, there's a pretty good dividend there coming, albeit it's a special. So you've just got to be very mindful right. that you shouldn't be expecting a 17% dividend every year. And as we also know, companies that coming into that dividend share price generally tends to rise because people are chasing the dividend and subsequently the share price falls because there's no longer a reason to buy the company from a dividend perspective. So always very cautious buying really high yielding stock coming into the dividend because it tends to sort of inflate the price. They've been on a bit of a tear in the context of what they've been doing financially. They've actually been able to pay down all their debt, which is really significant Mm -hmm. for them. Uh, And the PE of 10 times, you'd have to say, is pretty undemanding. Um, They sold about $38 million worth of gold over the last six months and made 12 million bucks in doing so. So, Koshi, I'm going to say it's a spec buy, but mm. big, big caveat, very big caveat that just be very careful. You'll get your divvy, but you're going to see the share price come under a fair bit of pressure as well. Right. Okay. Michael? Yeah, look, that's, you know, one of my concerns is that that share price movement. So people chase dividends, but they don't think about the effect on their actual investment. So, um, you know, at the moment it's trading about 4.1 cents. This thing in the last six months has traded anywhere between 3.2 to 4.4. So if you're buying it at the upper end of that range, you get your divvy and it heads back to the bottom of that range, you've pretty much you know, given up the divvy. So yeah. what, what was the point, I guess? And it's not too liquid by the look of it too. <laughs> no, well, that's, and, that's, and that's a great point. So it won't take much for it to, to move down. I guess what, what concerned me when I first saw this was you know it is a bit unusual i think a small company like this they they get a bit of cash flow you'd want to see that reinvested so i just think well okay well they pay this dividend um and then what happens over the next couple of years with your investment i mean they don't have anything better to do with that cash to expand the business and 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 potentially grow grow the share price so (laughs) yeah i mean it's um you know the managing director of of the business owns 11 percent of the shares on issue so He's getting a nice dividend, but yeah. why can't he reinvest that? So um, I think you know, 
with, with investors, one, you know, a couple of the metrics they look at before they buy something is they'll often scan stocks and look for those with the biggest dividend and they'll scan stocks and look for those with the, the lowest PE. But what you find is if you do the opposite and you're taking a five-year view in your portfolio, ideally you want companies that don't pay a very, very high dividend because the, the business has so much capability to grow, they'd rather reinvest that in okay. the business. And, yeah. and a company with a low PE um, is usually a low PE for a reason. So I think investors get those metrics the wrong way around. I, to me, a very high dividend like this is a bit of a warning sign that the growth prospects for the okay. business are, are too All high. Right. Let me be devil's advocate here because we've had a lot of the experts on the call over the last six or eight months with the gold price zooming. and. They've got Beacon's Gold sales they sold in the last quarter, 8,000, just over 8,000 ounces at $2,518 per ounce. So big margins. Mm. Um, and the great fear of a lot of the experts on the call was these gold companies are in a position where they're making so much money, usually they then stuff it up yep. by going and buying something, which turns out to be a disaster. Uh, the good thing about this gold rally that's being put to me is that mm. it looks as though the accountants have been, or the finance directors have been running it and saying, no, nah, we're going to keep this cash um, yeah. and distribute it to shareholders, So, which mm. is what Beacon's doing. I guess if you're, if you're someone that's always invested in a gold, if you want to always be invested in gold stocks, then yeah, yeah it's a bit of a conundrum. Yeah. Um, but I guess if we move alongside that argument, we could say, well, we don't always have to be in gold. So if right. we're worried that, okay, we don't know what yep. they should do with their cash. What if the gold price drops? Um, at the moment, I'm not in, invested in any gold companies because the gold share price to me looks a bit vulnerable. And I guess it does right. you know, put these companies in a bit of a situation, okay. well, what do I do if I, if I buy another business? As you say, David, and the gold price drops, I, I look like a bit of a, a deal for, yeah, yeah. for doing it at the wrong time. But then if I you know, pay that out the money and it continues to go up, I look like a deal because I should okay. have invested that. Yep. So no, good point. Yeah. Uh, John, thank you for that suggestion. Really good discussion between Andrew and, um, and, and Michael there. Hopefully it gives you some good direction. Uh, Michael, Micah wants a view on Whitehaven Coal reported a half year loss for financial year uh, 21 due to the coronavirus rattling coal prices. You've got the whole ESG and renewables mm. coming in here as well. Revenue down 21%. Um, what do you think of Whitehaven Coal? It's, yeah, it's obviously a very tough sector to invest in because it's still quite on the nose with with investors, with the market, with the public. Yeah. Um, you know, coal's still a bit of a bit of a dirty word there. So, um, but the reality is, it's still necessary. These these guys are still shipping out coal and there's still customers for it. So look, a lot of the analysts have uh, target prices a lot higher than where Whitehaven is now because you know, they're very optimistic that things will get better. Um, it's just hard to know whether that translates into uh, an increased share price. So at the moment, you know, this, this is a business which you know, really got itself in a big downtrend in terms of share price performance. Over the last few years, it was almost from almost seven, uh, almost six dollars a share, uh, dipped under a dollar uh, last year, and at the moment it's trading around a dollar sixty something. So, for me, I don't really want to be the first guy in here hoping that it's all going to improve and right. uh, and get better. Um, I'd like to see some proper volumes coming in. So, if all these analysts are saying 
you know, Whitehaven coal is cheap, things will improve. Well, back it up. I want to see the money okay. from the instos coming in. Otherwise, you buy it here and it's it's dead money. And I saw an interesting quote recently, just, just in general, um, you know, in terms of when to buy in the market. And, you know, you don't, you don't have to be the first guy at the party, but at least make sure there is a party. So right. at the moment, there's no party <laughs> in Whitehaven Coal. So we're turning right. up and we're just standing around, okay. yeah, doing nothing. So yeah. I'd, I'd wait until it can get itself into a bit of an uptrend. I want to see the volumes from the instos. And then at least I have okay. some sort of tide behind yeah. me to help me actually make money on my share price purchase. Okay. That's good. Ex- good experience passed through to all of the rest of us investors from uh, Michael there what to look at with stocks like this. Andrew, I read a, um, a chart during the week that even though China has put on trade restrictions of Australian coal, um, our export levels are exactly the same because India has basically take, taken up the whole slack. So it's a, a great example yeah. of a uh, commodity caught in the trade war and finding new markets elsewhere quite easily. Yeah, 100%. So, you know, one of the things that might concern investors is exposure to China. It's pretty low. They're exposed in the case of Whitehaven. It's India, Japan, Korea and Taiwan. So certainly the China piece is certainly not part of the equation to me. And it's just an extension of what Michael's saying, not his social uh, etiquette uh, advice, which is good advice in itself, but uh, relating to the uh, cost of production relative to the cost of coal. So if you look at 2019, you had thermal coal, which was selling for, look at my notes, $70 a tonne, it's now 55. And metallurgical was selling for 94, it's now 75. So in other words, the cost, uh, or the price rather, that they're getting for their, uh, their product is significantly lower. They've been able to bring down their cost of production, but the cost of production roughly is around $70 a tonne. So what we're saying in the case of thermal, what they're pulling it out the ground for is what they're selling it. Uh, sorry, try again. What they're pulling it out the ground for, they're still losing $15 a tonne. And in the case of metallurgical, they're um, mm. making only $5 a tonne. Gee, it's a and, contrast to the iron ore miners, is it? <laughs> oh, 100%. And if, if it's a very stark difference. Yeah. And so you say to Michael's point, well, when's it going to turn around? So again, and this is from the company presentation the other day, they're not expecting thermal prices to return to normal levels until 2025. So you've got prices under pressure, you've got debt increasing, they're now up to about 800 million in debt, albeit gearing's pretty low, it's only about 21%. Um, And you hit it on the head, and I know you're probably sick of me saying it, Koshi, but this ESG thing is a a thing. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm out on many different fronts on this one. Yep. Okay. All right. There you go, uh, Mike. Hopefully that gives you uh, good analysis from both Michael and Andrew there on Whitehaven Coal. Uh, let's just recheck the uh, the first five uh, stocks. Um, IDP Education, a yes from both Andrew and Michael. Michael, though, would put a $26 stop loss on the trade as well, just to give you a bit of protection down there. Um, Arena REIT, if you're interested in a REIT, um, yes, this is one of the better ones, according to Andrew and, uh, and Michael. Uh, IOU pay, a no from Andrew, a no from Michael as well, but um, he's going to be watching it over the next couple of months to see how it settles down, quite interesting. Uh, reject Shop, a no. Uh, Beacon, Mi- Beacon Minerals, uh, a speculative buy. Uh, the gold miner there from um, from Andrew, a no from Michael, and a no from both on Whitehaven Coal. 
here at the call, um, we have our own, what I call a fantasy portfolio. We've been tracking since July the 1st last year, thanks to our partner, NAB Trade. All the stocks that get um, two thumbs up from the experts, like IDP has got so far today, goes into the calls portfolio. But if IDP comes back up on a future panel and doesn't get the unanimous approval, it come, comes out of the calls portfolio. So if we take a look at how it's been doing over the last week, uh, down 2% for the month, down just under 1% since the 1st of July, up 25 and a quarter percent. Uh, some of the stocks that have been recently added by our expert panel, Qantas, uh, United Malt Group, IntelliHR, QuickFee, Adairs, uh, Family um, Zone Cyber Safety and Shryro. Some of the stocks removed, uh, A2 Milk and Thorny Technology Fund. If you want to take a look at all the stocks in the calls portfolio, uh, head to osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. Now, we have what it's a, a gaggle of chief executives um, coming up this afternoon on Ausbiz. Uh, reporting season continues thick and fast. Of course, you see as a result the C-suite here. Uh, at 1 p.m., uh, Robin Sharon Zipster from uh, High Pages, co-founder um, and chief executive of HUM. Rebecca James is on this afternoon as well. Martin Barrett uh, from Oswide Bank. Hugh Marks is popping by our Brangaroo Studios here, um, the chief executive of Nine Entertainment, to discuss their results and uh, Dr. Philippe Walgan from Clinaville uh, Pharmaceuticals also is joining us. So um, if you want to hear it from straight from the horse's mouth, an analysis of all these results, Ausbiz is the place you want to be watching it. All right, let's get into our second five stocks. And um, Andrew, Liam wants a view on Antiotech. Now, Antiotech um, has a surface coating kit technology called AntioBind, um, and it's a key element in their COVID-19 antigen rapid test. Interestingly, a company that we've been following, it's an unlisted company here on Ausbiz. We've, uh, for about the last nine months, we've been following a little group in, particularly on the Startup Daily Show, called Loom, based in Brisbane. And it's developed a home testing COVID test, uh, kit um, that it was trying to get interest from the Australian government. No interest whatsoever. Uh, Queensland government has put a bit of money into it. Um, but then about three weeks ago, as you would have seen on, on Ausbiz, the US government said, hey, we'll kick in $300 million to help you develop this product further and build a factory in America. And my mail is that the UK government is about to do the same. So Angiotech, while you can't invest in a loom, Angiotech is a supplier to a loom. And uh, I just, I know I'm going on a bit about it, Andrew, but I just love Australian technology in this space doing so well. We don't give it a run here in Australia, but overseas they love it and they get all the funding. Yeah, sadly, you're right, Koshi. Uh, we don't seem to have a lot of uh, self-belief in our uh, abilities and uh, they have to go offshore. But to be fair, you know, like that US market, because we're talking Alum has those um, over-the-counter COVID tests. Yeah. So, so you, can, Australia, you, can you can test yourself and get a result in 90 minutes or something, can't you? 
Yeah. So thankfully, yeah, thankfully in Australia, you know, we have COVID under control. Yeah. Um, whereas sadly, the same can't be said for the UK or the US. So from that perspective, you know, they're, they're the right market for it, if I can mm. put it that way. And so their governments are scrambling, and hence the the three hundred million dollars. Um, so I guess from my point of view, though. All the stuff I'm reading is suggesting that, uh, you know, sadly 500,000 people in the US have died, but they're suggesting that that uh, death rate will peak at the end of April and between uh, herd immunity and vaccinations, you'll actually start seeing that death rate and infection rate topping off, like if you look at what's happening in Israel as an example. So um, certainly you're hoping Illum does well uh, and therefore so does Anantec but I guess that's just something you need to sort of bear in mind that a lot of these businesses that are sort of predicate and, and this isn't the only thing that Anantec does Anantec does other things as well but that's what's got the market's attention and if you're starting to see uh, that there isn't as much need for their product thankfully or unthankfully depending upon how you look at it over the next 6-12 months that's certainly going to weigh on their share price so from my point of view it's a watch um, certainly, as you're saying, great technology in the right space, but my concern is around uh, the sustainability of yep. the earnings that's going to come from a loom unless, and look, COVID's not going to go away. COVID will no. be with us for the next decade at least in the various um, uh, iterations. But having said that, the severity of it hopefully will abate. Yep. Therefore, a loom might come under pressure. So I'm, I'm a hold, but yep. I agree. Amazing technology. Oh, it's great. And a loom made their mark by doing um, flu testing kits. So uh, self sort of test for the flu, now you can self test for COVID. Um, Michael, what do you think? Yeah, I, I like it. I mean, this company's been around for a while, but you know, as Andrew touched on, they're sort of on the radar now, which I think is very important. You know, as an investment, I mean, you could, you could buy something that's under the radar, no one knows about it, but you're never gonna make money until people, other people start buying yep. and push the share price up. Uh, and this is what's happening. I mean, on the day of that announcement, um, the start of February, the shares were up 100%. And, you know, that looks like a lot, but a lot of volume is now coming in and they've gone up another 30-something percent in that period yep. of time. So, um, look, I think they can continue to, to push higher. Um, the other part of their business, of course, is um, using their technology to, uh, to help the... Um, uh, the storage capacity of lithium-ion batteries, um, you know, with their with their coding um, right. technology, and you know, you don't have to, oh, you don't have to yeah. be a genius to realise that that's another hot area yep. um, for the future as well. So, I, you know, I could see volume coming into the stock. I could see interest. I think they're on the right, the right path. I'd be happy to buy it here. I think the, I mean, it recently traded up towards sort of 32, 33 cents. It's now yep. back to about twenty-two. Uh, sorry, it's about about 24. Um, I could see the share price settling here. So when I look at a chart, I'd say this is a buy um, here. I'd place, I'd place a stop at about 22 cents, fairly close right. by. But to me, it looks like it's finding support and ready to have another another uplift. I've no idea how high it can go, but yep. um, I think these are these are decent levels to, to have a go. Good. All right. There you go. Um, thank you for that, Liam. Bring it to our attention. I didn't know they were a supply to a loom because when a loom did this big deal, I immediately thought, oh, bugger, it's not listed. No one, <laughs> no one could get into it, but you could do it sort of by the back door sort of thing through their supplier. So thank you for bringing it to our attention. Uh, Michael Ben wants a view on uh, Ripe. Um, it's a, 
um, a sort of subscription management software system that um, customers like Microsoft and Citrix and Zimbra and Symantec uh, use. So um, what do you think of Bright? Um, not one I'd buy. I mean, this one looks fairly simple to me in terms of, you know, they looks like they grew their earnings about 10% last year. Um, they're, uh, I don't have the P in front of me. I think it's well in the 30s. So it just looks looks a little bit expensive. There's no share price momentum. It's been going sideways since about May or June. Even pre-COVID, the share price was, was on a bit of a slide. So to me, it just looks like a simple case of a company that isn't growing fast enough for its um, for its valuation. I don't know if there's if their prospects are good enough to see a huge um, uptick in their earnings now from here. So I just think there's better opportunities elsewhere. Okay. Andrew, right? Yeah. Oh, Michael's always right. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> Thanks, Andrew. Um, uh, seriously, uh, look, they're in the right space, and having someone like Microsoft and selling their products is certainly, um, you know, a very big leg up, if I can put it that way. Trading well below consensus. Consensus uh, for analysts who follow it says it's worth two dollars forty-eight. Uh, but as Michael's saying, the PE is probably a little demanding. Um, CEO reducing his holding by 23% over the last 12 months. And, you know, again, the market's just going, well, what's going on? And I'm sure there's all sorts of valid reasons for it. But again, as you know, we like people buying the shares internally. We don't like them selling them. Uh, pretty strong profit guidance, you know, 27% growth coming up over the next 12 months. Uh, you might recall, Koshi, back in May, I said it was a buy at $2. So I'm looking like a bit of a goose at the moment. But um, yeah, look, I, I think for the time being, it's probably a hold. To Michael's point, you want to see a bit of momentum there. It's just tracking sideways. But if it sort of gets past 180 and beyond, then uh, we're back in business. But at this stage, it's certainly not a sell, it's a hold. Okay. All right. Uh, Graham wants a, a view, Andrew, on Integral Diagnostics. This is the, uh, the imaging company um, in that medical space again. Uh, operating revenues up in the last half, um, almost 30%. Uh, profits up as well. What do you think of Integral? Yeah, mar and margins increasing, Koshi, which is always important. You know, it's fine to get that revenue piece, but if you're not increasing your profitability, then that's an issue. Another one that we covered back in September last year, building a little bit of a library here, and uh, we said it was a buy at about 4.20. So where are we now? About four, five bucks. So yeah, certainly still tracking in the right direction. I like it. I think it's a buy. Um, good return on equity obviously impacted by COVID, but that's starting to get itself around. You know, they saw 450,000 patients over the last six months. So uh, I, I quite like it and yep, it's a buy for me. Okay, Michael? Yeah, pretty much um, same view. I think it you know, seems good value for the, uh, their, sort, uh, their levels of earnings growth. Um, good result a couple of days ago, gapped up, gapped up to a new high, which is what you want to see, similar to the IEL, you've got that momentum there. Um, so look, if I was holding it, I'd be holding it. If I was looking to buy, I mean, I'd probably try to finesse it a bit over the next couple of days, just make sure it stays above that that gap up, which was around that sort of 480-ish level. Right. Um, but it looks like it should probably do that, which means it's a buy. I guess, yeah, for me, it's nice to see um, that if a stock comes back to retest where it breaks, um, that it then does continue to head higher because sometimes like we saw with, say, Domino's a few days ago, good result yeah. gapped up, but then it's been smashed to a level under where it was before the result. So it's telling you the market's had time to think about it, 
and they thought, oh, you know what, maybe, maybe not. So right. this one reported two days ago, the mar- it's, you know, it hasn't continued to kick on, but it's still holding in there while the market digests okay. that result. And by the looks of it, uh, it should probably end up being a buy around these levels. Uh, so uh, would you class this as a tech stock? Oh, look, I, yeah. Does, uh, it, does it get thrown? I suppose, it gets thrown suppose it, yeah. depends on market sentiment. If tech stocks are in favour, people go, oh, sort of a bit like a tech stock. And yeah. when they're out of favour, no, 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 it's a medical stock. And yeah, well, I mean, it's, you know, you could look at Afterpay and say, well, is it a tech stock or do they just provide credit and, yeah. and people just use an app? Yeah. Um, yeah, where do, where do you draw the line? Yeah. Yeah. So it's definitely not a mining stock, so it's right. we know what it's not. Yeah. <laughs> if that's any yeah, help. That's, pre- that's pretty clear. That one. That's why you got me on the I show. I can understand yeah. that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right, Graham. Uh, some, so a yes from both Andrew and Michael there. Um, Michael, Jackie wants a view on Keystone Dairy Corporation. Mm. Now, uh, uh, their sales have been growing. They have this Totic Pro and Totic plant drinks that they continue to sell. They're in sort of really interesting yeah. niches, aren't they? They private label for uh, for Coles as well. They have, uh, uh, what's it called, Brackenbury Nutrition and Nutrition Systems for the gym market. So mm. that's an interesting little business. This one, New yeah. Zealand, is one. Uh, yeah, they're based. Yeah, New yeah. Zealand based is, yep. yeah, and, and Melbourne and Sydney. Um, this is one of those interesting ones where you, you look at it on paper and then you look at the share price performance and there's there's that disconnect. So yeah. the, the Coles contract in December, the share price jumped quite nicely and there was volume, but then it's just given up all those gains. So yeah, look at that. That's a, a pretty horrible chart, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, exactly. So look, I've, again, for me, I prefer to see what, you know, what the market's doing because, again, you know, I could buy it, but if other people aren't buying it, I'm not going to see the share price go up. So it's a, I'm wasting my time. Um, yeah, coming back to my quote earlier, you want to, yeah, you want to make sure the party's on before you turn up. What's the point of yeah. being the first one there? So this is one of those situations where, look, I would not buy it here, but yeah, I'd keep an eye on it. So right. again, just keep an eye on it. Wait, wait until we could see a bit of volume coming in. It's grabbing a bit of attention, and sure, you might miss the bottom. 10%, 20% move. But, yeah. you know, this thing used to trade as high as 46 cents. So even if you're paying 30 cents for it, but you know that something's happening, yeah. then you could still make a pretty good return. Is it a well-run business? Um, oh, look, I mean, I hadn't heard of it before today. I had, right. to, I had to look into it. So, yeah. um, but I mean, to sign a contract with Coles um, yeah. like they have, I mean, that's, you know, it's, it's showing that management's out there doing the right things and they're speaking right. to the right people, signing up the right contracts. There's just no share price um, sort of reaction yet for whatever reason. Right. Uh, Andrew, still burning cash, uh, not as much as it used to be. It's sort of getting pretty close to um, a break-even cash position. What do you think of Keytone? Gosh, are you reading my notes? Like I've got here, the chart looks, I've got here, the chart looks terrible, which you All just right. said. You've got here reducing, you've said reducing cash burn, I've got here reducing cash burn. Like seriously, mate, you're killing me. Um, no, the return on equity is dreadful, um, minus 14%. You've got a, a pretty oh, wow. poor um, margin as well, as in negative. Uh, I mean, if you're trying to sort of compare like with like, which is unfair, but I'll do it anyway. A2 milk, it's a 40% return on shareholders funds and 22% um, uh, margin. Right. Why, wouldn't you, why, wouldn't, why wouldn't you just buy that? 
So, uh, yeah, and look at that chart, you know, top left to bottom right, you actually want the inverse. You want bottom yeah. left to top. So, um, pass. Yeah, because when I, when I read the Coles thing, I thought, yeah, that looks really good, but it depends, sort of put it politely, if you're a Coles shareholder, it works for you. But I immediately think, depends on what Coles have screwed you down for. <laughs> Could be a lot of stuff. <laughs> Yeah, it's the thing you've got to watch out for. All right. Um, so, Jackie, um, thanks for that and bring it to our attention. Uh, I did love, though, uh, maybe it's just my old-fashioned mind, that they do Bailey's non-alcoholic coffee-flavoured milk that they sell through BWS stores. And I thought, there's a creative group. All right. Our final stock, um, Andrew uh, Memphisus. Uh, Brett wants a view on that. Uh, Brett's comments were quite interesting. He said, recently the share price rallied from 2.6 cents and now 12.5 cents. Is this the start of years of groundwork coming to fruition? I, I think Brett may have a bit of a, um, a long self-interest in that, um, in this stock. Recent announcements include becoming the first medical cannabis company to list on the London Stock Exchange, your research program into uh, the treatment of brain cancer and from all reports the medicinal cannabis industry will be big business in the future so brett has high hopes for memphis do you no uh, <laughs> oh sorry no, brett. sadly brett uh, i the, put the, the pitch in for you mate <laughs> he tried he tried yeah, he tried yeah, yeah. but uh, the wet the wet blanket here uh, look, and I've been I've been optimistic. I've given you about three buys today. I think that's yep. about three than more than what I usually give you. Um, yep. If you have a look at the first thing I looked at, Koshi, was actually how many announcements have they made to the ASX over the last twelve months? Yeah. Or, oh. like that's pretty underwhelming. I mean, I'm not saying you need to announce stuff for the sake of announcing stuff, but isn't part of being listed almost like a semi-marketing tool? Like, sure, there's a compliance yep. function. There's a raising capital function, all that sort of stuff. Like, I get all that. But, you know, you'd think they'd be wanting to be sort of making some announcements as well to sort of keep the market informed. I'm not suggesting they haven't been, but, you know, part of this function is a marketing thing. So, yeah, and it's all about the story, the isn't it? You'd, you'd want to be talking yourself up and using this as a platform in which to do this. I mean, you're a, you're a media guy, you know that. Um, so... Yeah, they, they sort of fail that test. Now, that in itself isn't a bad thing. You know, they might be just focused on the job and it's it's a secondary, but you'd think they'd be getting some advice on that. So that's certainly one thing that I, that sort of concerned me. Um, it's really hard to get set in this. Only $65,000 a day is tradable. So it's a traded rather. So it's very hard to get set. And part of that, and this is probably the positive, is that the CEO and the chair combined uh, own about 10% of the business. Right. So, you know, from the point of view of having skin in the game, that's great. You know, really like that, but hard to get set, not really keeping the market appraised as to what's going on. Uh, lots of red if you're looking at the numbers, of course. Um, so, yeah, look, chart looks okay, but, yeah, I, I can think of lots of reasons not to be here. Happy to be proved wrong. You know, if I had to pay 20 yeah. cents, it's only up and up and there's more trades or power to you, but... Yeah, I'm not going to pay 10 or 12 cents to this and there's not a lot of info coming out and it's hard to get into and therefore hard to get out of. Yeah, and not, not just cannabis. Um, they're in uh, development mm. and manufacture of cell and protein separation devices and they uh, produced a device 
that will be the first automated non-DNA damaging lab instrument for sperm separation, for IVF and things like that. Really interesting product line. Yeah, uh, Michael. Yeah, but it's all pointless if no one knows about it and right. no one's going to buy it. I mean, I noticed the same thing as Andrew. Where are all the announcements? Where, yeah. What's going on? Um, and, you know, maybe some of our viewers might think of taking a simplistic view of saying, well, if no one knows about it and there's no money flow, why buy it? But again, we buy something because we want the share price to go up. But if they're not out there, you know, banging the drum and, and yeah. you know, doing, you know, just doing like what a lot of other companies do and, and try to you know drip feed you information at regular times and yeah. keep you interested because that that increases volume doesn't it um yeah. i think andrew's used the term before you don't want a stock to be a lobster pot uh, easy to get in yeah. but you can't get out of it because volumes are low the bigger the story and the more often the story yeah it brings attention doesn't yeah, exactly it? and, and, and uh, i think quick. a lot of our viewers only know about it now because brett sent an email yeah. well where's the yeah. company come on to osby's tell us what you're doing yeah. i mean how's anyone going to know that that you exist and when the volumes go up it gets the attention of other analysts and you know it all just flows from there so yeah look it sounds like they're doing great things but yep. you know if you're doing it behind closed doors then your investors aren't going to make any money from it yep absolutely so i know from you yep but brett you've given us a challenge probably not this week because we're just snowed under with earnings season at the moment but we'll get the chief executive of uh memphis on next week got him do you reckon put a call into the chief executive and we'll say to him look your shareholders want you to come on and talk more and so do the brokers so here's your opportunity to come and tell us your story all right we'll do that for you brett so keep tuning into osbys next week and we'll have uh memphis on and uh, uh you can all always catch up with all the interviews if you miss them live as well so uh let's uh, recap the uh, the final five stocks. Antiotech is a watch from Andrew. Uh, Michael would would buy it, but have your stop loss at twenty two cents there. Riper no. Integral uh, Diagnostics a yes from both. Uh, Ketone uh, a no from Andrew. A watch from Michael. And Memphis um, seems to have great products, but. Uh, could do a lot better, so a no from both of them. Andrew Whelan from uh, from DP Wealth Advisory, great to have you, mate. Always good to have Koshi, you. Koshi, thank you. Thank and you I know you're time. about to ask me. I know you're about to ask me what's on at the Empire. So agro. You know, I was, I was, and I thought I don't want to embarrass him if he doesn't know. So what's on? Now that you do that, I'm all over it like a cheap suit. Um, <laughs> so we got we got Agro on the 26. When's that? When's the 26? I'm all over the show. Is Agro live. Yeah, we got Agro live. Wow. And, uh, we've, Have you got Pucker Duck on there as well? <laughs> uh, Daryl Summers is he still around? And uh, we've also hi Daryl. Uh, and we've also got uh, Fleetwood Mac coming up on Saturday as well. So, well, the Fleetwood Mac experience, I should say. So, uh, yeah, certainly agro. Uh, I reckon so that the would be mood, a uh, The Fleetwood Mac experience. I was, I was thinking, Fleetwood Mac, wow, at the Empire. All right, mate, thank you for that. Have a good weekend at the Empire. Michael Gable, thanks for joining thanks, us thanks, from Fairmont. It's uh, always great to have her on the show. All right, that's our show for today. If you'd uh, like to suggest any stocks for us to cover, uh, put them in an email to us, uh, the call at osbiz.com.au or tweet us using the at osbiz TV handle. A reminder to uh, you can see all the stocks in the calls fantasy portfolio at osbiz.co forward slash portfolio. 
Uh, Startup Daily Show at 2pm this afternoon. Looks at all the companies, unlisted companies uh, seeking capital, all the latest from the startup community and venture capital. Um, one of the calls regulars, Conrad Song, um, as is joining us as Macro embarks on an equity raise ahead of a planned IPO later this year. So if uh, fintechs uh, float your boat, um, and you've seen Conrad a lot here on the call, uh, that'll be a really interesting interview. He's coming up on the Startup Daily Show at 2 p.m. And don't forget, all of the chief executives explaining their earnings will be always appearing here on Osbys. We've got a huge number um, coming up this afternoon, including Hugh Marks from uh, Nine Entertainment as well. So stick around, a lot happening on Osbys. You don't want to miss a minute.